saying that we were going to get into the movies. Yeah, and I'm only going to get into a few of them because there were way too goddamn many for me to really be interested in telling you this clone version or this clone version in the early studio system. It, it's a good metric to know in a, in a story arc, where should I be? Well, there's Beast, I should step over here. Uh, yeah. Some point, at some point, I'm gonna have to sit down with you, like, and force you, like, pump you full of coffee and be like, no, okay, look. Uh, and are swiftly and brutally put down by the Minutemen who use bayonets to get their point across. Well done there. I'm good, Damien. And I'm also glad that I got your name right this time. I apologize for that one TikTok video. Men of this generation wound up serving a whole lot of them as a percentage of the population because of the war, because of a whole lot of other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and actually, in his case, it was pre-war. But, but you know. I was joking. Did he seriously join the American Navy? He did. Fuck it. sixth grade level uh, here in Northern California. And uh, just in the past week or so, as we record this, uh, with, with the caveat that this is as this is being recorded, um, I have now been to my own back to school night as a teacher and my first back to school night as a parent. Oh, wow. And and so now now I, I have I have I have seen uh, things from the other side of the looking glass, as it were. Um, and I will say one of the major differences uh, between my own experience uh, as a teacher and my experience as a parent um, is, and, and of course my experience as a parent is colored by my experience as a teacher. So this is probably not entirely typical. Um, but, uh, I know that I wound up, uh, carrying a whole different set of expectations into the classroom than my wife did when we were meeting with the kindergarten teacher. Uh, she came away just very, very happy and secure knowing that, you know, okay, no, his teacher is going to take care of him. He's going to be okay. I came out of it thinking, all right, I like I like the way she's got the room laid out. It looks orderly and she sounds like the kind who sets boundaries and and you know doesn't doesn't, you know, let shit get out of hand. So okay, this is going to be great. You know, very different kind of kind of emphasis we were looking for. Um also, uh when you when when you like me, uh make the decision to send your kids to a, a parochial school uh because, you know, it's a religious thing. Um, we, we got booze at back to school night as parents and like introducing Ed and his wife and people went boo. No, 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 no. We oh. got, we got, we got alcohol, oh, like leftover communion. Like, 
Uh, no, no, oh, much like Waverly much, crackers and a much, little bit of much better, much better quality than that. No, no, nice. Um, see, because there's there's fundraising that they need to do, and uh, it always helps. The Catholic to Church is hurting for money. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a long story, but um, no, it's not. It just has a long and storied history. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a okay, short story. Go. Yeah, yeah. If anybody needs a reminder, there was an episode on the Popes and John Cena. So yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and and by the way, um, no, I, you know what? I'm I haven't had enough beer yet to do it, and and I don't want to have to go to confession. I was going to make a remark about Benedict, but I won't. Anyway, um, yeah. So so lubricating the the audience uh, before you hit them up for a contribution to the capital fund is always helpful Are yeah you i know i know i know i'm not supposed to talk during this time and not, then you talk about not, the catholic church looping you know, people up it's not just... consciously i'm not consciously trying to kill you i'm not saying mm-hmm. there might not be part of my subconscious that that isn't trying to work that angle but yeah so anyway we we have we have now been through that um as parents and and uh, I, I got to see what what the other what the other side of that equation looks like. Um, so it's 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 a whole new world. How about you? What have you got going on? Well, I'm Damian Harmony, uh, and I'm a U.S. history teacher here in Northern California. And uh, since we've already dated this show, I will say that yeah. after one thousand three hundred and thirteen days, my house now has somebody suffering from COVID in it. Uh, we managed to you avoid have... it for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't consider it to be like so much a streak broken as we did a good job of playing good enough defense and they finally got one on us. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. My hope is that it's just a field goal. So it's just my daughter. Currently, we are insanely masking in the house. Um, She is staying in her room. I told her, I said, honestly, just pretend like I gave you the right to do whatever you wanted today and you decided to stay in your room reading. And by and large, she's been pretty good about it. Um, Which I'm, for your yeah. daughter is a realistic kind of. Oh, it is. It is. Scenario. I will not see her for two or three hours. And I'll be like, hey, what you been reading? Yeah. She's like, oh, you know, War and Peace. I'm like, oh, okay. Have fun. Um, so that's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so my child, one child has it. I'm trying to keep myself and the other child from having it. We all wear masks while we are all conscious. Once it is bedtime, I turn off the air conditioning and um, everybody closes the doors. their doors. What's that? I, I was just saying what you were saying. Everybody oh. shuts their doors. Yeah. yeah. Everybody shuts their doors and then uh, they can unmask. It's it's honestly, is it still a risk? Yes, but we are not circulating the air through room to room as much. Yeah. And it's one of those, okay, you got to live too. So yeah. And by and large, her first night was her worst night. She's been getting better since then. I'm very hopeful that tomorrow or the next day she will test negative. We will see. I'm keeping her home um, uh, at least until that negative test comes, maybe plus a day. Uh, So I will look at what the protocols are now. I'm very grateful that she's as vaxxed as can be. So is my son. So am I. Uh, And I'm, I'm very hopeful that we can all dodge that bullet. I will point out that as of this recording, as people heard, Ed's kid has a back to school night. He has himself done a back to school night. Um, and therefore we know that that's beginning of school times. 
within a week of school, my child has contracted COVID uh, during yeah. a time that the pandemic is over. So, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Um, I, I already have two students who are out mm-hmm. owing to COVID, like specifically for COVID. I have, I want to say at least one other who's out for unspecified illness reasons. Yep. So, so yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's coming. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. already looking at like when, when, when is the best time for me to get stuck again? Like right. I want, I want, I want the next booster, please. Right. Please, sir. Can well, I have some more? Yeah. I'm like, jam it, Pfizer, man. I, I don't is. care. Um, like, you it, know, the other thing is I'm a little stymied by the fact that we are seeming to have like seasonal, uh, boosters for a disease that is not a seasonal disease. It is a wave based disease. Yeah. We know when the waves are going to be, um, they're going to be when kids go back to school. They're going to be when kids get back from winter break. Like, yeah. Can we please start having them around that time? Like, let's get ahead of that. So, yeah, I'm I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a FDA worker and stuff like that. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's that's how things are here. Um, on yeah. to more cheery fare. Uh, you yeah. drinking tonight? I I have a beer in front of me. Yes. Good. Should I get another one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Get all the beers because mm, yeah. We are going to talk tonight about Hatfields and McCoys, History Channel's last great prophecy. Oh, all right, yeah. all right. I've been you've been you've been talking about this one off air, yeah, uh, for a while, and I've been I've been excited about this. So mm-hmm. yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Hatfields and the McCoys, yeah. Like like if I remember my history as given to me by Warner Brothers in the in the nineteen forties and early nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. uh, one one of the groups uh, had uh, generally uh, very dark hair, were kind of Saturnine looking. The other group were all redheads, right? Right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and otherwise, aside from the hair color, they they all looked identical, and yes. uh, none of them none of them wore shoes. Oh, and we're gonna get into right. that because really, yeah. what I'm talking about is on screen depictions of this feud, and how okay. that has changed over time. So, okay, uh, you know, it's it's a all short right. episode where I only cover over a hundred years of cinema history. Oh, so we might be able to get through this one in like four episodes thinking seven but <laughs> no hey okay wait <laughs> 48 pages i don't seven, know seven was hulk Hogan. Yeah. like yeah. come on now yeah yeah all right well let's let's see let's so. see all right all right so in late may of 2012 the history channel provided yeah. watchers with a three-part dramatization of an historical event which was nice yeah. because it was a return to doing history stuff yeah, um, and it didn't involve extraterrestrials at all, which was like once. such yeah. a spiritual salve to me. Like, oh my god. Yeah, and in a few episodes from now, I'll actually dig into that deeper. Um, but for right now, uh, suffice to I say, really want to? <laughs> it, it featured the brilliant acting of Kevin Costner, who yeah. was taking his first steps into becoming the grizzled, grumpy patriarch who does bad things to do what he thinks is right. Yeah, um, yeah. A, a role he seemed born to play far more than the baseball guy. Mm. Um. And the late great Bill Paxton, uh, who played yeah. played an aged burnout who was unforgiving and unyielding, and in his love of God, um, Powers Booth and Tom okay. Berenger also rounded yeah. out the cast, bringing some of their best performances to bear. And yeah. 
holy shit does Jenna Malone eat up the scenery with her scorn. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, that was the um <clears throat> when when my wife and I were first dating. We mm-hmm. we got together in in like a year after that came out. Mm-hmm. And we sat down and and watched that together as like one of the first kind of, you know, sit down, you know, hanging out watching a movie things that we did. And I remember being really impressed with the performances that everybody, mm-hmm. like everybody, there was oh, yeah. there was not a clinker in the bunch. It was there really, really well acted. Yeah. Really well acted. Yeah. Yeah. So here's some real quick historical facts that are going to anchor us. And then uh, what I'm going to okay. do is I'm going to kind of be fading in and out with those through the movies and such. Okay. Um, so the Hatfield-McCoy feud could be seen as stretching from 1863 all the way to 1891. Those are the dates of the okay. first and final deaths of the feud. Okay. If you wanted to narrow it down to the really intense stuff, you could say that it went from 1878 to 1891. Okay. Uh, you could even... So the last the last 13 mm-hmm. years were when it was really at its highest pitch. Yeah, and you could even narrow that to like 1881 to 1891. You could narrow okay. it to a 10-year okay. period, but clearly shit is happening starting in 1878 okay so, um, so yeah question sure but before we before we get into mm-hmm. uh the the specific like okay no this this is largely recognized as the first event in the feud itself mm. did are we at some point then going to talk at all about the larger context in which these two families were operating as you know, Scots Irish immigrants yeah. on the okay. I just yeah. want to make because because there's there's a whole lot of we, we're we're transplanting uh, Highland Scots culture onto the the North American continent kind of shit going on, and, and it's okay. more Scots Irish too. So it's that that's borderlander. True. Um, that's true with lots of feuds. So. Okay, all right, just making sure. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, go on. No, no, go ahead. Uh, just that's part of what I'm so amped about. So yes, oh, let's do okay. it. Let's go. It's good to have a hobby. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Um, the the uh, suffice to say, shit's going on for a while. The Hatfields lived on the West Virginia side of the Tug Fork River, uh, which itself was a part of the Big Sandy River. The McCoys lived on the Kentucky side of the same river. Okay. So this feud was definitely an interstate feud. And it mm-hmm. definitely paralleled and aped parts of the Civil War and all sorts of tabloid fuel for most folks, which itself provided justification for those who sought to keep up this image of backwoods folks for their own gain. Okay. Okay. Now, since movies were a thing, uh, there have been numerous depictions of the Hatfields and the McCoys feud. Uh, starting in November of 1923, Buster Keaton directed and starred in a movie called Our Hospitality. Uh, and it centered the feud in his story. Um, now it's Buster Keaton, so it's lots of slapstick, lots of gags, lots of you know people falling in pratfalls and stuff, and and also unfortunate period racism. Yeah, well, because Buster yes. Keaton, like you know, well, not or, only Buster or at Keaton. least yeah. yeah, because studio system was growing. true. Like, yeah. Um, but it's been forever since I've seen it. But uh, I so so. What what that means is I ended up drawing on reviews at the time okay. um, and other sources to recall the details. But it is a completely ahistorical film. 
in a way that Hollywood clearly delights in doing things like this. Uh, Buster Keaton plays a character named William McKay. Okay. Who's fallen in love with Natalie Talmadge's uh, Virginia Canfield. Okay. Yeah. Now, this is preceded by the two patriarchs, okay? Uh, John McKay and James Canfield. Uh, who start the movie off practically by double murdering each other because they had a duel in 1810 and they successfully shot each other to death. Um, Keaton's character shows up in 1830 and he ends up meeting Talmadge's character, uh, I believe, at a train station. So there's, again, all kinds of ahistorical shit. Um, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, so he meets her character, and uh, he soon love blooms between them through a series yeah. of train misadventures. Um, and and William, young William McKay, has largely been ignorant of the family feuds, and so when they both get to their destination, young Willie innocently asks Virginia's brother and father where the McKay estate is because he's come to claim the property. They, being Canfields, offer to show him and plan to murder him along the way. Uh, But they can't find a gun along the way in order to shoot Willie before he ends up wandering off, getting lost. Um, And he finds the McKay estate, which is just a rundown home. An important detail uh, for later analyses. Uh, After finding this disappointing fact out, uh, Willie runs into Virginia again, who, ignorant of her brothers and her father's plans to murder Willie, invites him to dinner. Uh, which Willie, of course, happily accepts because I'm I'm stunned by this woman's beauty. Yeah. Now, Willie is at dinner and overhears this argument between the father and the brothers about why they can't kill Willie because he's a guest of, quote, our hospitality. Okay. All right. All right. So, again, it's that Southern culture being fetishized, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, a parson comes uh, to dinner that night as well, and it's raining so badly that both the parson and Willie are invited to stay the night at the Canfield house because our hospitality. Uh, The next morning, Willie kisses Virginia, which further inflames the father and brothers to murder Willie. Yet another reason, and we're going to get into what that's paralleling to. Your standard Buster Keaton chase ensues, in which Buster Keaton has to dress in a dress for part of it. It's a drag show. Um, Mm -hmm. and actually this place, this chase takes place over water and in the rapids, and this actually almost kills Buster Keaton. So we have almost another, there's like, you could honestly, you should count the ones where it's almost not, where it's not almost a snuff film of Buster Keaton. Yeah. I think you'll, you'll only count, you'll, you'll count fewer numbers, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a shorter list by far. Yeah. Those will be the exception. Um, and yeah, so the cable that Buster Keaton was supposed to have attached to him to keep him in place for the shot snapped and he got carried down through the rapids and he got bruised and bashed around, but he did manage to grab a branch long enough that the crew could, could get to him and rescue him. Um, that's harrowing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just, holy. all right. Yeah. And also, Buster Keaton had to have first aid for all the water he had in his lungs. So, <laughs> Anyway, uh, he gets uh. away for the time, and, and then the next day, the chase ensues again, and the Canfield search high and low for William McKay, and he ends up back in the house with Virginia. Uh, they find him embracing Virginia, and right as they're about to kill him, the parson asks, would you like to kiss the bride? 
All right. Father Canfield gives up murder, blesses the marriage, and his sons lay down their guns. Uh, the punchline at the end is that the many guns that McKay lays out, because uh, he also lays out his guns, those are all the guns that he'd stolen from their gun cabinet the night before, having overheard things, right? Uh, okay. So there's there's so much that this gets wrong, uh, which is fine. It's a Buster Keaton movie. It's a movie that's based on the story of what happened, right? And and yeah. I would even just say inspired by. Um, with the Hatfields and McCoys, it was the son of the patriarch of the Hatfields who fell for the daughter of the McCoy patriarch, John C. Hatfield, son of yeah. Anderson Devil Ants Hatfield, entered yeah. into a relationship with Rosanna McCoy. And this was amid a whole bunch of other troubles that were ongoing between the families by this point. There had been 13 yeah. years of quiet and bad blood simmering between the families once these two hooked up. Yeah. Um, since the attack <laughs> gets real fun. There was an attack on Moe's Christian Klein, who was a friend of Devil Ants Hatfields. Mm -hmm. Okay. Devil Ants took exception to this attack and vowed revenge. In 1863, a group of Confederate home guards kills a man named William Francis as he was leaving his house. William Francis had led the attack on Moe's Christian Klein. And, and actually, Devil Ants took credit for this attack. William Francis himself had led the Pike County Home Guards in Kentucky, which had led the attack on Moe's Klein. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're going to so need to draw this some of is, this out. Hold yeah. on. So, so just real quick, this is this is Confederates shooting Confederates. No. Okay. Yeah. Which side? Which side is not so the the Graybacks. Pike County Home Guards in Kentucky? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think they were Unionists. If okay. I recall correctly. Like okay. Jayhawks. Okay. All right. So Devil Ants had served in the Virginia. Remember, Virginia was Virginia until yeah. I believe 1863 until... when they were like, West Virginia when, was like, when yeah, fuck West this. Virginia went, yeah. fuck all y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think they've regretted that decision ever since, like, you know, economically in a lot of ways. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. Economically, it didn't do them any favors. It's true. So Devil okay. Ants had served the Virginia state line as a lieutenant of the cavalry, which kept him largely in the area at first. So you join up and then you're policing your home. You can yeah. almost like it, it, it. You could almost like go home for dinner on the weekends kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So he was protecting the Kentucky Virginia border from 1861 right after he married Levice Chaffin until 1863 when the Virginia state line uh, cavalry was disbanded. Okay. Right. After that, Devil Ants went on up to serve as a private in the newly commissioned infantry battalion, getting promoted all the way up to captain pretty quickly. Yeah, well, yeah, because it was fairly common for officers to be elected mm -hmm. uh, by the regiment. So if he was somebody with status back home, he wasn't going to stay a private very long. Right. And yeah. again, his unit, which was Company B of the 45th Virginia Battalion, stayed close to home, patrolling and doing guerrilla warfare against Union soldiers in the area. Yeah. Because Correct. this is Western Virginia and Eastern Kentucky. So it's fairly northish. Yeah. And you have a lot of people who joined either side. This is that gray area. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, definitely area. a border, definitely a border territory. Yes. Yeah. So uh, at some point in 1863, he kills two Union trackers, which I guess are scouts. Okay. Okay. But in 1864, 
there was a deeply involved personal feud going on between a few folks. In addition to all of this, okay, so he does this. He then, um, if I recall correctly, he gets out in 1863 as well. He he musters out. Um, okay. He and his Uncle Jim, uh, Uncle Jim Vance, if I recall correctly. Uh, so Devil Ants and Uncle Jim Vance uh, started the Logan Wildcats, which was a, a guerrilla militia doing work on behalf of the Confederacy, but not officially recognized as such. Yeah, there were a lot of those, especially in border territories. Uh-huh. There were a whole lot of those organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a guy named Asa or Asa. I've heard both. So I'm going to say Asa Harmon mm-hmm. McCoy. And he was the younger brother of Randolph, old Randall uh, McCoy, who, and he was a Union soldier. Now here's the thing old Randall joined the Confederacy. Okay. So. Uh, Asa broke his leg in 1864, and that Christmas, so late 1864, he was home on furlough. Shortly after arriving home, despite his family's warnings not to come around on account of the fact that he was a Union loyalist, um, he <laughs> he was met by the Logan Wildcats and duly threatened. Um, now, Harmon had waited for two years, so everybody else is joining up in 61. He waited for two years before picking sides, and then he went and joined the side that most of his family was against and most of his neighbors were against uh, by joining the Union. Almost everybody around him was Confederate uh, sympathizer or Confederate joined. Yeah. Harmon, uh, Asa Harmon, had been a member of the same division that had been led by William Francis and had wounded Moe's Christian Klein, the Pike County Home Guards. Okay. Okay. So within 13 days of returning home, some say he was discharged from the army. Others say he was furloughed. Asa Harmon McCoy was killed in a cave that he was hiding in near his home. Okay. Now, remember who had sworn vengeance. Revenge. Yeah. Right. But they'd also already killed William Francis, who had been Asa's leader in the Pike County Home Guards. Right. Okay. Devil Ants claimed credit for that one, but there is some question and multiple sources disagree as to Devil Ants' involvement here. Some say it okay. was some say he would have, but he was homesick. Others, uh, which actually happened quite a lot with him. Um, and others, and it's because he had lung issues because oh, okay. if you live where it's wet, you you could that kind of happens, yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, back then, even with lung issues, you're still a freaking superman if you make it to 30. Um <laughs> So others say it was while he was present, but he didn't pull the trigger. A lot of sources point back to Uncle Jim Vance being the one who committed the murder because he's kind of the cruelest of the family. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a distinction. It really is. Um, And since he and Devil Ants were both part of the same self-appointed militia against someone who was on the Union side's border guard, the sense of localized vengeance was somewhat institutionalized along kinship and friendship lines as well as local loyalty lines, right? Yeah, all right. So you've got Union versus Confederate loyalties. They they honestly are less tied to the issues of maintaining slavery or keeping a union together, and they're more tied to local loyalties like I'd mentioned, right? So Yeah, that, well, yeah. There, there's a really compelling parallel um, that, that comes to mind for me in where many of these folks traced their ancestry back to, Mm -hmm. um, there was a whole region 
in northern England, southern Scotland, mm-hmm. uh, where whole clans of families uh, who who to this day claim claim at least in the United States it's a big deal. There's a whole organization based on it uh, that they are reaver families and the border reavers uh, basically turned the border zone between England and Scotland into kind of a lawless wilderness for mm-hmm. a couple of centuries. And anytime the kings of England and Scotland decided to declare war on one another, uh, there would be a reordering of mm-hmm. which families were English and which families were Scottish, mostly based on, oh, well, you know, this time they're fighting for the English. So we're Scots, you know, Scotland forever. Right. When and and their and their loyalty wasn't really to any national any idea of nationality. It wasn't really to either monarch. It was to their own territorial interests as a family. You know, it's an right. opportunity to seize land and kill off you know members of our competing neighbors. Well, and I'd like to dial that part in. It was also more of like which side will let me hurt the people I don't like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because the law is not a legitimate thing. The law will just come and take your land from you. (laughs) Yeah. So you're not fighting to uphold the law so much as you might be fighting on the side of the law because that helps you kill that clan over there that stole half a cow from you. Yeah. So 20 years ago. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, yeah. Yeah. So uh, now a lot of sources that I'd found uh, pointed to that same narrative that uh, Asa Harmon McCoy a, had a f- so so they point to Jim Vance being the killer, but they also point to the idea that Asa to to the I don't want to say idea so much as fact, but I don't want to say fact because there was not enough verifiable sources that the I could the find. the disputable fact right yeah. that Asa Harmon McCoy himself had a former slave who was bringing him food. Okay. Again, when you joined the union, you didn't join because you were against slavery. You joined because you wanted to keep yeah. the union together. Yeah. Or you joined because, man, fuck those guys over there. This will let me yeah. show you. Yeah. What, what I find funny, though, mm-hmm. is um, I hadn't realized that the rest of the McCoys mm-hmm. had been Confederates. Yes. I had not, thought it not had all. been. But most, but most, yes. I I had thought it was a more clear cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the McCoys were on this side of the border, and they were you know Unionist, and the yeah. Nope. So so this guy, this guy chose the size that was the side that was just a big fuck you to literally everybody. Most, yeah, yeah. Like, and yet when he gets killed, all right. that's going to activate the vengeance bone in most of the McCoys who were pissed at him for joining in the first place. But yeah, well, family but, trumps but, that. Well, yeah, well, so. we we're the ones who get to kill him for doing right. that, not right. you. Yeah, like that, you that's know, our he, fucking job, right? He he dishonored the family. It's our job to punish him for it, not yours, right? Yeah, so, nobody picks on my brother but me, right? <laughs> and this, you know, I I am inclined to believe the the sources that I found that said that Asa Harmon uh, had uh, held people in slavery or held at least one person in slavery because. He's from Kentucky, like most of the McCoys were. And that is a slave union state. It's one of the four slave slave states that's left out of the Emancipation Proclamation. Whereas most of the Hatfields were from Virginia and then eventually West Virginia, uh, a slave Confederate state. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. 
the the immediate thing that comes to mind is the indication that he had held people in bondage. At least um, one person. In at least, at yeah. least a person. He had yeah. held someone in bondage. He had mm-hmm. owned another human being. Mm-hmm. Um, is an interesting point for me because part of the narrative that's always been put forth mm-hmm. is that these were not wealthy families, right? So I'm interested to find out what oh, what we're else gonna get we're going to gonna find out about. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of fun property shit that's going to come up. Oh boy, uh, okay. is it going to get confusing? All okay. right, so. Whatever happened, there was no investigation into Asa Harmon McCoy's death. And this is where the bad blood began. Uh, but this was 1863. Uh, okay. Nothing is going to happen violence wise between these two families for quite some time. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. In the mid 1870s, uh, Devil Ants Hatfield uh, was expanding his timber operations. Uh, and, uh, this was actually kind of interesting. He was a bit of an exception to the rule. So mid 1870s, the civil war is over and a whole lot of Eastern scions of wealthy families had served as officers in the civil war. And they had gone through that territory and been like, wow, Papa would love this, this timber. This is all old timber. Okay. Yeah. And so a lot of industrialists were like, we need it for fuel. And a lot of industrialists were like, we need it for building shit. And this means that timber is going to be a big deal. So he's one of the very few people in that area from that area who is actually expanding timber operations. Most of them are going to be big timber from out east. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. And and north. East Mm -hmm. and north. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, because the ones that were from the southeast, they they their money was burned up. Their fortune, their fortunes had been razzed. Something yes. happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, an antitrust tank or something. I'm yeah. not Sure. <laughs> so, uh, Sherman. They, yeah. Sherman had happened. They they can die mad. Um, and they did. Uh, but... Yeah. So, uh, like I said, they'd mostly served there. Uh, the the sons had mostly served there, and were like, you know, they went back with like tales of like, holy shit, there's more more wood than you could uh, possibly imagine. Um, so they set about buying up the timber rights in the area and shipping these beautiful forests north and east to help the booming housing market in the later half of the 19th century and early part of the 20th century. Okay. Now, Devil Ants, like I said, was one of the very few folks who'd lived in the area who actually profited from the timber. And despite being a lifelong illiterate, he had a shrewd mind for such things, and he sought to expand his timber operations. This you know, goes back to my idea that we should take the word genius and turn it back into a noun. Mm-hmm. He had yeah. a genius for this stuff. He was illiterate, and that did not matter because he had a mind for these kinds of things. Yeah. In fact, many have actually cited the dispute I'm about to try to untangle as the real cause of the feud, and it involves Devil Ants and a cousin of Randolph McCoy, Perry Klein. Okay. Okay. So most of the sources that I found are definitely Hatfield-centric. Some of this is because they seem to be the relative victors in the fight, um, mm-hmm. and they had Winners more documentation. History. Yeah. yeah. And, and frankly, they just had more documentation put out there. Now, I want to spend some time discussing why people will continue to dispute facts despite them not being written down clearly, uh, or despite the facts being written down clearly and the evidence of being irrefutable in some instances, but I'm not going to get to that just yet. I'm going to talk to you about uh, Perry Klein. And to talk about Perry Klein, I've got to talk about Peter Klein. 
Peter Klein was raised by his German immigrant parents, both from the Palatine area in Germany in the Reading area of Pennsylvania. Um, so okay. his, so Peter Klein's parents were from Palatine in Germany. Uh, I believe okay. it's in Prussia. Yeah. And yes. they settled in, uh, and, and Peter Klein, uh, settled, uh, or, or his German immigrant parents, uh, settled in the Reading area of Pennsylvania. You might know Reading because of the Monopoly board. Right. 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 We Redding all call it Reading. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's Reading. Okay. Learn so, something uh, new every day. All right. <laughs> Now, Peter is a bit of an Ascanius uh, in that we don't actually know uh, if he migrated with his parents or if he was born once they got there. So just okay. just like the, you know, the son of Aeneas, uh, who knows? But the point is that he's there now, right? Yeah. Um, now, he was definitely raised by German immigrants and their last name was Klein, K-L-E-I-N, uh, right. which later gets turned to C-L-I-N-E. To make it look more anglicized. I, I think also spelling wasn't as um Fixed. codified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hey, what's your name? Klein. Okay, I'll put that on the deed. Does that look right? Sure. Fuck. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh he Peter Klein uh was living with his German immigrant parents uh in Pennsylvania since at least 1760. So before the country was a country. Okay. Um his father was a shoemaker and a snuff seller. Now, Peter married Elizabeth in the mid-1770s, which uh, means their first child was born in 1777 or 1778. Peter actually fought in the Revolutionary War, uh, according to his pension application. He applied for a a post-war pension. And after he served, he migrated to Virginia sometime by 1786, uh, settling in the what was then known as the New River Settlement, which is in the western half of the state near what's sort of like the panhandle of virginia okay. okay yeah yeah all right um and this makes sense because if you're landed you just stay in your land if you're not then you move further west right yeah now from there in 1811 uh peter klein's family migrated to the tug river area which is on the border between kentucky and virginia um and this seems to have been an attempt to just live closer to a lot of his own children that had moved across the river oh, okay all right now, for our purposes, the fourth of Peter Klein's nine children was a man named Jacob Klein. His nickname was Rich Jake. He's the important issue of Peter and Elizabeth Klein. And if you're connecting names, yes, the friend of Davalance Hanfield's name was Mose Christian Klein. Right. He was born of this family. Now, the first okay. child of Peter and Elizabeth was a guy named Michael Klein, who was the father of Moe's Christian Klein. Okay. Okay. Older brother of Rich Jake. Right. Okay. He had Moe's Christian as a son. Okay. You'll recall that Devil Ants probably killed William Francis in revenge for the Pike County Home Guard's attack on Moe's Christian Klein, right? Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. find this connection fascinating, and I hope you do too in a minute. So back to Rich Jake, the fourth child. Right. Right. The right. uncle of Moe's Christian Klein. Yes. Um, He's the fourth son of Peter and Elizabeth. He's the brother uh, to Moe's Christian Klein's father, Michael. Yeah. Making okay. him the uncle of Devil Ants' revenged friend. Yeah. The revenge, which led to a string of events that killed Asa Harmon McCoy, the younger brother of Randolph McCoy. Right. Okay. Now, if your mind is swimming now, just wait until I get to Rich Jake's will. Oh, so, shit. Okay. Rich Jake was a veteran of the War of 1812. 
And he was named Rich Jake because he was much better at being rich than most people in that area. Yeah, okay. Uh, he owned several thousand kind acres. Of setting, kind of setting a low bar, but it okay. Is. It is. You know, but, but, you know, he did it the way that everybody out east had done it. He claimed this land first kind of thing. He surveyed it okay. and, and called right. it good. Um, okay. And he owned several thousand acres along the Tug River. He also enslaved people, leaving the three that he held in slavery. He held three. He left yeah. them upon his death to two of his children to do with as they saw fit. Should the enslaved people, quote, refuse to labor and become wasteful or likely to destroy the effects of my personal estate? Say that again. Should the what now? Should the two, should the three enslaved people yeah. uh, refuse to labor and become wasteful or uh, and oh, okay. likely to destroy the effects of my personal estate, you can do whatever okay. the fuck you want to them, right? Now, he also right. left yeah. provision for what to do to these enslaved people or what to do with the monies gained from selling these enslaved people as well. Okay. Okay. So Rich Jake, brother of Michael, uncle yeah. of most Christian. Yeah. Rich Jake, he had nine children. Jesus. Everybody has so many fucking these kids. People. Well, and, well oh, um, yeah, I, no. I'm glad you said these people because that's going to feed into what we're talking about. Okay. What amazes me is that so many of these kids live like, you know, the, the old the old thing is like, oh, well, you had like 13 kids. So three of them would live. Uh -huh. Most of them lived. OK, which I found wow. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's so his his ninth apparent. and final child was his youngest son, Perry A. Klein. OK, that name. Yep. That name is familiar. All right. Okay. That Perry A. Klein has a land dispute later on with Devil Ants Hanfield. Hatfield. Okay. All right. Mary Klein being a cousin of Moe's Christian Klein, a first cousin. Okay. Because his daddy and Moe's Christian's yeah. daddy were brothers. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Hatfield is going to end up having a land dispute with one cousin and going and killing a fucker to revenge another There's cousin. Another one. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Gets more fun. So in the will, and it's interesting because Perry's name is spelled both Perry, like, the 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 fruit like this tastes kind of perry um mm -hmm. and also the normal spelling of a person's name all right um i spent the better part of a morning parsing between these two names trying to figure out if in fact they're two different people uh but there's no record of any son besides perry whose name is that similar so yeah okay pretty well, sure it's yeah. all right yeah so in the will of rich jake klein who died in 1858 he left land to all of his children his okay. third child was elizabeth klein she was married to thompson henderson hatfield okay and this is how the connection to the hatfields who is the son of joseph Wait. b hatfield who himself is the brother of valentine wall hatfield who is himself the father of ephraim prater hatfield or big f for short and he is the father of william anderson hatfield better known as devil Ants hatfield Okay, okay, hold the fuck on. Wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. So 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 what you're telling me here is the clients are 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 related to the Hatfields. To, to the Hatfields. Yes. And they're through also marriage. through marriage. Through, well, yeah. And also through marriage they're going to end up related to the McCoys. Related to the McCoys. Yes. So the, okay. So yeah. okay, well we 
there's your problem. Yeah. Oh, you know? others. Yeah. <laughs> but and here's the thing. It is really easy for us to slip into what's wrong with these fucking people. Right. It's there's yeah. this narrative that has just yeah. been infused in us. Yeah. In such a way that like, um, I don't know, uh, anti trans jokes were funny to everybody who watched friends. Okay. You know, like yeah. it just was so much a part of the soup that you couldn't get, yeah. you know, it's like when you find yeah. out that there's corn syrup and everything, you're like, what the fuck? You what know, it's the that. hell? Yeah. So this, right. this, these people kind of vibe like, you know, it, similar to when we talked about, honestly, when we talked about the eugenics movement and how we were all rooting for the wrong side in the movie Idiocracy, right? How we were all predisposed yeah. toward that. To, toward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, Devil Ann's Hatfield. Mighty. Okay. Uh, is brother to Valentine David Hatfield, also nicknamed Wall, Ellison Hatfield, and Elias Prater Hatfield, also known as Good Lias, not to be confused with his uncle on a different side, Bad Lias. Okay, I'm sorry, but if a family like the Hatfields yes. nicknames you bad anybody, you're mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Well, he's called like... Devil Ants. Yeah. And there was also a <laughs> Preacher ants. Because <laughs> okay. apparently they they're like Romans. They only had four names. Yeah, like well, yeah. Anderson is one of them. You know? Well, when they're when they're when when uh, when all your kids live, you can't actually just like well, be like, there's... okay, we'll name the next boy that lives, John. You know, it's like, yeah, well, oh, shit, I mean, he lived. You know, uh, what else are we gonna come well, up with? Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's 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 part of it. But there's also culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, a very big deal about, you know, there are certain names that, that are in the family because of the number of people who've already been named that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so anyway, I mean, my right. son carries names of like three of the grandfathers that he has. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, my daughter carries the name of her aunt as well as two women throughout history that I admire, you know? Yeah. Well, so yeah. Um, now, Jimmy Crickets. All right. Wit witness to Rich Jake's will was a guy named Charles Mounts. Charles Mounts was okay. also related to Rich Jake via his mother, Rich Jake's sister, uh, Margaret Mounts, nay Klein. Okay. <laughs> Charles Mounts is the father of Andrew Jackson Mounts. Okay. Andrew Jackson Mounts is the father of Levice Chaffin who is the wife of Devil Ann's Hatfield. He's he's also... So, so prominent <laughs> families... So what we're saying here is prominent families intermarry like... A lot. Like, yeah, yeah. incessantly. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah. All right. And he's also the father of Devil... Or of uh, Daniel Mounts. Uh, Daniel Mounts was the husband to Harriet Mounts, nay Hatfield. Harriet Mounts, nay Hatfield, was the mother to Ellison Cottontop Mounts, and sister to Floyd Hatfield. Ellison Cottontop Mounts was the illegitimate son of Harriet Hatfield and Ellison Hatfield, her first cousin. Ellison Hatfield was the younger brother to Devil Ants Hatfield. There's some, like, Roman, you know, what gents are you part of kind of shit going on here. The next like, sentence like... that I have for you is no shit. This is Julio Claudian, but with way more kids, which is part of the story that will matter more later. <laughs> Alba Longa and Rome didn't have it this bad. <laughs> That's the next sentence. <laughs> so 
so yes we've been well, doing but, this long enough that i'm already yeah. on that wavelength like yeah. immediately yeah Holy it is cow. wild so like part of me is like who we feuding with yeah you know it's like well do i need to get a float chart or like how are we it gets so wild so rich jake has a will and in his will okay. he left to his daughter elizabeth hatfield the wife of the aforementioned Thomas and Henderson Hatfield, he right. left her a bunch of land, okay. as well as he left uh, some land to his daughter, Martha McCoy. Uh, she's named Martha McCoy because she's married to Asa Harmon McCoy. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. All right. All right. I like, <laughs> I need to get a teacup. Sure. Okay. All right. Go on. <laughs> um, additionally, Rich Jake's will left land to all his children, including this this phrase, quote, I give to my sons Perry and Jacob Klein, because, of course, he had a kid named Jacob, a tract of land in Logan County on Tug River bounded as follows, to wit, beginning at two maples about one quarter of a mile above the mouth of Grapevine Creek, thence out to the top of the ridge, thence wit the top of the ridge to the river at the lower end of my land on said Tug River, including all the land I hold on the river with said lines up Grapevine, all I hold on said creek, including below said lines to Perry and Jacob Klein in Copaskianary to them and their heirs forever. Which means that this guy owned land on the Virginia side of the tug and he gives a bunch of it to Perry as well as others. Yeah. Okay. And quote, I give to my son, Perry H Klein, which is interesting. I'm just going to break out here. His Nick, his middle initial was a Klein, which he like later he ends up changing it again, but an H and an A look very similar. Okay. It took me a little while to untangle. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this the same Perry? Yes, it is. It is. Okay. All right. So I give to my son, Perry H. Klein, a tract of land on Tug River in Logan County and state of Virginia bounded as follows to wit beginning at two maples standing about one quarter of a mile above the mouth of the Grapevine Creek, thence running up the river, including all the land I hold on the river up to Jackson Mount's line to him and his heirs forever. So there's a fellow on the other side of your property named Jackson Mount's. Okay. Now, <laughs> so there's so, yeah. so, so there's a lot gave, of land gave, on the Tug he, River that Perry has. Yeah. yeah. And, and so to, to kind of parse that out, it mm-hmm. sounds like the property below Two Pines was shared with his brother. The property above Two Pines was given directly to Perry by himself. Well, not two pines, two maples. Let's two maples. Sorry, I mean, come on. Sorry, so yeah, I know that's (laughs) actually that's actually an important distinction. It really is. But yeah, yeah, but from 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 landmark south Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. is co-held between the two of them. From landmark north, it's just just Perry. Okay, right. Ten four. Now, this will was carried out in April of 1858, as records seem to indicate that Rich Jake died in March of that year. And that's the thing is, like, it's hard to hunt down death certificates in the 1850s. Um, Well, I mean, it would be hard to hunt them down anywhere, but in that part of the country particularly. Yes. So So, here's where it gets fun. Perry at the time was a 12-year-old, and he is now orphaned when his father dies because his mother died four years after Perry was born. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. This meant that his land would be his when he came of age, and it was right. held in conservatorship by one of his other relatives. Until okay. then, there's some trespassing that's in the air. According to a deposition in 1898, so I'm fast-forwarding to get to this information, that, uh, that which, by the way, this deposition includes the testimony of one Selkirk McCoy, who is the son of uh, David of Samuel David McCoy, who himself was the brother of Daniel Effort McCoy, the father of Randolph, old Randolph McCoy. Okay. In other words, Selkirk and Randolph were first cousins. Right. Okay. Um. So in this deposition that Selkirk gives after he'd been captured and imprisoned for life for his role in the feud, he stated that Devil Ants Hatfield had been trespassing on what was left to Perry Klein as early as 1861. Okay. Now, what is Hatfield doing there? Logging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When the war had ended, Ants went back to trespassing and cutting timber down in the grapevine area of uh, Perry Klein's inherited lands. However, Hatfield swore that he was timbering the space that he had claimed to due to a survey that his own father had made. However, that survey was never able to be produced. Okay. According to Manuel, um, not Manuel, uh, Mary Daniels, uh, who is Perry's niece by a relation to the Mounts family, at some point after the Civil War, <laughs> Hatfield had moved into possession on the Grapevine Creek and the Kleins couldn't get him out. And this led to a mediation uh, meeting at the mouth of the Grapevine Creek. And according to Daniels, Hatfield attempted to use a gun to mediate. So he basically oh, wow. dicked it. Yeah. All right. And again, after the Civil War, okay, so in 1858, Perry Klein is 12. If right. I recall correctly. Okay. So, so that means after the Civil War, that's 19? had seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Barely a man. Yeah. And so having this having this patriarch of another family, yeah. grizzled veteran, like he doesn't even have to have a gun in his hand, just right. you know, doing the move, pulling his jacket back to reveal the big iron on his hip would be exactly. enough to be pretty intimidating. Yeah. So there was an agreement that got drawn up between Hatfield and the Kleins, but it appears from the records and the court decisions that only Perry Klein agreed to sell his half interest in the Grapevine Creek tract uh, in 1869. Okay. And so this his is older the brother, property. Right. This, the is, one this that... is the property he shares with his older brothers. So this is south of Two Maples. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Trying to get now, the geography right in my head. All sure. Right. Now, such a sale or trade would not be possible if Klein had not had claim to the land. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Let's... by that claim and and by that sale, Devil Ants Hatfield is admitting that Perry Klein in fact had claim to this land. Now, the agreement required Devil Ants Hatfield to pay Perry Klein $500 for this tract of land. Okay, However, which is not an in not not a small amount of money. No. No, it's not. However, yeah. it appears that Hatfield never paid the full amount as evidenced by the later 1877 deed. Now, okay. <laughs> around 1871 or 1872, Hatfield and Perry Klein seemed to enter into a second agreement over the land, this time to trade lands, as is discussed in the West Virginia Supreme Court case that states, quote, in 1870 or 1871, Perry Klein, tra Perry Klein traded all the lands devised to him by his father to one Anderson Hatfield, Devil Ants, 
or lands on the other side of the Tug River in Pike County, Kentucky. And said Hatfield, who had been cutting timber as a trespasser and building cabins on said Grapevine Creek, claiming some sort of title under a survey made by his father, left Grapevine Creek and moved to the Klein Old Home, uh, Old Home Place, where he lived until 1888, when he and his sons sold all the lands that they had to pressure or to the appellants and moved away. So literally, it's a land swap. So Perry Klein is like, you know what? Fuck, I don't need the Tug River land. Why don't you give me your land that's across the river? I'll stay over here in Kentucky with the rest of the McCoys, and you can have the land that's over there. Okay. And Hatfield was like, cool, and moved into the house that Perry Klein had built and lived on, right? So he now has a domicile. Yeah. It... (laughs) And then in 1888, the 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 Hatfields sell it and and they move else elsewhere. Okay, okay, and they I believe they sell it back to Perry Klein or not necessarily Perry Klein, but somebody related to him. Okay, another Klein. Yeah. Now oh, it is unknown right. what possible threats or additional pressure Hatfield exerted upon Perry Klein, who at this point is like pretty young, uh, if any. In fairness. Uh, but there is a serious question as to why Perry made the trade, as it appears extremely favorable to Devil Hans Hatfield. Perry gave Hatfield all of the lands that he inherited from his father, Rich Jake, which included both the half interest in the Grapevine tree- Creek tract and his full interest in the old home place tract for some land across the Tug River in Pike County that was allegedly worth about 1900 and soon after the trade, Devil Ants moved into the Klein homestead where several of the Klein's ancestors had been buried. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Along this land was also another spot of land that was owned by one Alexander Mounts, who was related by his mother, Margaret Mounts, who was the sister to Rich Jake, uh, making Alexander an old, older first cousin to Perry Klein. And it was called the Mounts Branch. Okay. Alexander Mounts had given timber rights to Taylor Green as well as to some of the Klein family. However, Devil Ants had surveyed his new land, and during his 1872 survey, Hatfield came upon the Kleins who were cutting timber on the Mounts branch and ordered them off of his property. Except that it wasn't his property. They were cutting timber on the Mounts, uh, the Mounts branch. Right. But Hatfield's like, no, this is mine. Um, And in May of 1872, Hatfield actually filed an injunction in the Logan County Court against the Mounts, against Green, against Jacob Klein, Jr., uh, and against Perry Klein, alleging that they were trespassing trespassing, uh, and that they had caused damages on his land. And in his deposition, Devil Ants claimed that the Mounts branch was actually part of the Klein lands. However, Jacob Klein, brother of Perry Klein, testified that on the day of his survey, Devil Ants claimed the Mounts branch area through adverse possession. In other words, I have a gun. This delayed the recording of the trade of land that had been so favorable to Devil Ants and it's so so averse to Perry Klein. So that, that trade was now delayed and therefore possibly disputable. And the trade between Hatfield and Klein had already been made in 1872 And it was clear from multiple witnesses' testimony from a court case called Ellison versus Torpin, as well as the decision from West Virginia Supreme Court itself. And it mentioned that trade uh, had already occurred in 1870 or 1871. This all leads to Logan County ordering an official surveying of the land for obvious reasons. Like, all right, all right, fine. Let's literally. For fuck's sake, we're going to. Yeah. 
Okay. Now, this led to a deed signed between the Hatfields and Klein in 1876. Okay. Okay. All of this continued and dragged on during the entire feud and the murders. Okay. So everything that's happening in this feud, all of this stuff is happening during that. Okay. So for instance, on, yeah, go on. So, so at the same time, there is, there is a back and forth murder spree going on. They are also dressing up in their best clothes, showing up in court to argue Mm -hmm. this shit in front Mm -hmm. of a judge. Yeah. A judge in one that, county that might favor one group or a judge in another judge county. In another county that might favor the Yeah. I, the the dichotomy there is is remarkable. Okay. Well, and this gets into my admitted prejudice toward the borderlander culture. And I think this is largely just a rejection of my own like family heritage. Okay. Uh, uh, a the constant again. You know, I, I I was very clear when I talked about the eugenics thing of like why yeah. we are so inclined to think of well those dumb rubes because we've come so yeah. much further. <laughs> yeah. I think this is part of that for me. But okay. the idea that the truth is merely but a tool to be used when convenient and to be ignored when convenient. Okay. I have a hard time giving any kind of respect to that. Okay. Yeah. So, and they're doing that like hand over fist. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Devil Ants Hatfield, it seems. Yeah. Hatfield seems to be doing it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, it right. could be that I also focused on that because most, in most stories, uh, Hatfields are considered kind of the protagonists. And to okay. me, this kind of colors that. So, I, you know, there could right. be some selection bias. But on May 1st, 1875, Perry Klein, who by this point had permanently relocated to Pikeville in Kentucky, he sold the Tug River Pike County land that he had purchased in 1872 to Jim Vance Sr., the man who most people believed killed his brother-in-law, Asa Harmon McCoy, during the war. Okay. Uncle Jim Vance was supposed to pay Perry Klein $1,200 in three installments of $400 each. Klein received okay. the first installment, but Vance didn't pay the second installment. So on May 8th, 1876, Perry Klein was forced to file a lawsuit against Jim Vance because between the time that Vance had purchased the land from Perry Klein, um, or, or because, yeah, between that time, uh, Vance purchased it. He also resold it to a William Daniels, the guy who Klein had bought it from in the first place, and he resold it to him for $1,500. And Daniels still owed Vance at least $800 for the property, so Vance was awaiting that to pay for Klein for his final two installments. Gee, Christmas. So Perry Klein kind of has good cause to wonder if he's ever going to see his remaining payments from Vance should Daniels finalize his payment to Vance. For the land that he bought from Vance, who'd bought it from Klein, who'd bought it from Daniels. Wow. Okay. So clearly, Devil Ants Hatfield and Perry Klein had a lot of problems between the two of them. And Klein had a lot of good reason to dislike Devil Ants Hatfield. Perry Klein's brother, Jacob Jr., had been the one to tell Mary Daniels that Devil Ants was trying to take the Klein lands, land that had been in the family since 19 or since 1819 said that he was trying to take it, quote, by the muzzle of a gun. Now, for for Klein, Devil Ants' false pretenses regarding Hatfield's father, his his father's never-proven survey, 
right. was a constant agitation along the borders over uh, on, on the borders and over those of the Klein lands. And the survey stunt in 1872 uh, and the claims of adverse possession over the Mount's property, all of this leads to dislike and possible hatred of Devil Ants Hatfield on the part of Perry Klein. Okay. Uh, his hatred of Devil Ants must have fully developed by at least 1874. Now, in an unrelated lawsuit in Scott County, Virginia, Perry changed his name from Perry Anderson Klein to Perry F. Klein because it seems like he didn't want the name Anderson attached to him because Devil Ants Hatfield. Okay, I I can understand that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now, a second reason for Klein's disdain toward Hatfield likely reached back to the Civil War, despite Klein barely being alive for it. Um, Klein's immediate family and the Mounts and his cousins who lived just upriver and around the Peter Creek area uh, were all Unionists in Kentucky, whereas Devil Ants was a Confederate from Virginia. And Devil Ants had led several raids against the pro-Union residents of the Peter Creek community. The family of Klein's future wife, Martha Adkins, also staunchly Unionist. So several, additionally, several several Perry's close relations were killed by Confederate raiders under Devil Ants, Ants Hatfield, Asa Harmon McCoy, his brother-in-law, Charlie yeah. Mounts, his first cousin, Asbury yeah. Hurley, and his son Fleming Hurley, also first cousins, and Mose Klein, one of the slaves that helped to raise Perry. Okay. Which is all kinds of twisted for someone who hated Confederates for their attacks on Unionists. Is like, <laughs> well, yeah, but again, it gets to hurting the people you want to hurt as opposed right. to any other cause being a thing. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's especially odd since he was willed three enslaved persons, one of whom continued to live with him and his family as a servant long after slavery had been abolished. And he's the unionist. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of fucked up going on there. Yeah. Now, yeah. fast forward to 1878. Because I was talking to you about John C. and Rosanna. So we need to get to the hog trial and to the murders that get to this Romeo and Juliet couple. Right. So hogs back then weren't something that you would pen up. It wouldn't make any goddamn sense. There's too many hills. They could just jump over the bottom of it, right? So instead, you let them run free. They fatten up off the land. And then when you need them, you capture one for food or for trade. You could okay. put a bunch of food into one place and then pen them in there and then slaughter one, right? Because the land is obviously too too steep for it, uh, and this is how pig farming works in this area. So if you want to avoid mix-ups, which were kind of frequent, um, those who owned hogs would notch their ears with special patterns so as to keep track of whose was whose. Okay. Okay, so three stripes up the side of the left one, those are all so-and-sos, right? Uh, two holes in the tip of the right one, those are all so-and-sos, and on yeah, and yeah. on and on, right? A, fog, uh, a, a, a fattened-up hog could easily feed a family for weeks or months during the winter, and you could sell so much of that for other supplies to also keep oh, yeah. the family fed, right? So well, it matters and, a lot. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, we're talking about an animal that you know if it's been out there for a couple of years and and has been feeding well that's going to be a 400 pound plus easily a 400 pound plus animal yeah definitely you know so yeah uh all kinds of wealth tied up in that right so 
Floyd Hatfield was the cousin to Devil Ants Hatfield, and he was also more distantly related to Randolph McCoy. Well, because, I mean, in, in this kind of community, in this kind of region, everybody's related to everybody else somehow. Yes. Like, yes. yeah. All right. So through Floyd, they're both related to each other in the same way that my brother Bowie and my brother Aaron could be considered related. Like, they're both half-brothers to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. So <laughs> here's where the story gets Livy-esque. Some say that Randolph McCoy tracked a hog to Floyd Hatfield's house and confronted him about the notch. That was clearly uh, Randall's uh, notch, right? And uh, Floyd uh, Floyd denied it. That's that's not your notch. That's my notch. Others say that the pig wandered onto Floyd Hatfield's land, and so he claimed it, stating that people get each other's hogs all the time, so what's the big fucking deal? Which is a valid argument. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and Randolph disagreed with that. So whatever the case, hog theft was a big deal in the area because of how close to the margin of hunger folks lived on and how many of their kids kept surviving. Yeah. So it couldn't just be a let it go issue or, a, oh, you're probably right. Uh, you know, a couple couple, couple of summers ago, I probably had one of yours, you know. Others say that Floyd Hatfield swore that it was his notch and it was indistinguishable for Randolph's. So impossible to know. But this does lead to a trial in the winter of 1878, before the Justice of the Peace. Who's who? What's the Justice of the Peace's last name? Preacher Anse Hatfield. Uh, <laughs> saw that coming. All yep. right. Now this is Anderson C. Hatfield, uh, the son of George Washington Hatfield, who was cousin to Devil Anse Hatfield's grandfather. This makes them second cousins, though some reports have them as first cousins, meaning that their fathers were brothers. But I want to say as their grandfathers were brothers, like, I'm pretty sure that makes them second cousins. It shit gets tricky. Yeah, well, it's it's second cousins and there may or may not be a removed in the middle there somewhere. Well, removed is usually a generation different, too. I yeah. think they're along the same generation. They're the same generation? Okay. Yeah. Then, then and when same you generation. have 13 kids... The yeah, same generation it's... could mean that you're actually older than one of your uncles. Oh, easily. Because yeah. if you're the first child of the first son and, you know, your you're uncle the... is, yeah, it just. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So they're probably second cousins. Yeah. All right. Either way, okay. Pre Preacher Ants, named so because he was more of a pleasant disposition than his cousin Devil Ants, um, which I just love is like, well, you're not, you're not as. Yeah, that was much, much of an asshole. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so he was the wow. justice of the peace for the hog trial of the century in Kentucky. Um, now, this is largely a McCoy area, but I think I've shown that there's a ton of intermingling between the two clans. Yeah. The jury was split, six Hatfields and six, six McCoys. Okay. okay. So, right. which tells me you're going to get a hung jury every time. Yeah. But one of the McCoys on the jury, Selkirk McCoy, was persuaded by the sworn testimony of William Staten. William Staten was a relative of both clans, uh, but he had two brothers-in-law who were Hatfields. And he, William Staten, claimed to see Floyd Hatfield notch the hog in question, making it his. The jury therefore voted seven to five in, in favor of Floyd Hatfield. Not sure that's how hey. juries work, but that's how this one worked. Well, and so was this a criminal trial? 
Was was he on trial for theft or was theft. this a civil yeah, was trial? On, about he was on trial okay. for theft. Okay. Yeah. So it was a larceny, larceny yeah. trial. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, given yeah. that it was preacher Anne's Hatfield as the justice of the peace, the questionable testimony by a Hatfield and the McCoy who turned was a known ally of the Hatfields. Many McCoys, including old Randall McCoy, saw this as an infuriating injustice. And the thing was, stolen animals were a very common problem, especially in this area. And there had been accusations and recriminations previous to this between the two families. And also, holy shit, what, how can you talk between the two families? So the trial isn't so much of a holy shit, why the hell did that escalate, as it was more of a natural culmination of unsatisfactory events along both sides. Yeah, simmering simmering tensions for yeah. God knows how long, yeah. Right. So that's okay. 1878. Now, you remember there were court cases up through 1876 between Klein and Hatfield, right? Right. Okay. So 1878, you have the Hogg trial. Yeah. Now, this is all to get you to Rosanna and John C. McCoy. Okay. So in June of 1880, Bill Staten turns up dead. The one who had given the, the questionable the testimony. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nephews of Randall McCoy. Uh, named Paris and Big Sam McCoy were accused of murdering Bill Staten. Now, uh, Paris and Big Sam, also known as Squirrel Hunt and Sam McCoy, they were hunting, and Bill Staten ran into them, and he ended up killed with his body left in the woods. Paris McCoy was tried within a month of the deed and found not guilty. Squirrel Hunt and Sam evaded capture for two years until 1882. Uh, but when the law finally caught up to him, Big Sam McCoy, also known as Squirrel Hunting Sam McCoy, I love that he got two nicknames, um, he ended up found not guilty by a Hatfield-picked jury because it was deemed an issue of self-defense. So even the Hatfields were like, it was probably self-defense. Bill Staten's a little uh, unstable. Um, oddly, McCoy testimony from both Kentucky and West Virginia actually went against Paris and Big Sam uh, McCoy. So McCoys were testifying against the killers of Bill Staten, despite the fact. (laughs) And a a Hatfield jury found them innocent on account of it was, well, not innocent, but not guilty on account of the fact that it was considered self-defense. Wow. All right. Now, (laughs) Valentine Wall Hatfield was the uh he's a brother of of devil ants um right. he was the president of the county court in logan county okay so you had the preacher hatfield preacher ants hatfield over in in pike county in kentucky now you yeah. got wall hatfield in in logan county now many have okay. said that devil ants specifically asked his older brother to just go easy on the mccoy brothers for the murder of bill staten as he thought that that would help ease the tensions between the family uh, between the families, letting devil ants focus on logging instead. Uh, regardless, though, that didn't seem to squash the growing problems. Okay. Now, Squirrel Hunt and Sam McCoy kept a pretty detailed account of what had happened, and he seemed to be there for most of the brutal parts on the whole feud, and he was the only one to write it all down as a memoir afterwards. And in this memoir, if you can find it, because I could not for less than $300... Um, but Holy in this cow. Yeah, well, it's one of those it's out of print kind of things. So mm. so if you can find it, Sam talked about how Ellison Hatfield and his family were always good to Sam and his family. And he also blamed the McCoys for the feud. And yet he's the one who killed Bill Staten, which absolutely escalated tensions between the two families. 
So part of that is self-serving. Yes. It's a memoir. So take yeah. it with the salt lick it deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Now, finally, on to the love story. John C. Hatfield, whose real name is Johnson Hatfield, he's the oldest son of William Anderson Hatfield, devil ants, okay. and Levisa or Levisa Chafin Hatfield. He entered into a relationship with Rosanna McCoy, the daughter of Randall McCoy and Sarah Sally McCoy. Okay. Nay, McCoy, because Randall and Sarah were, in fact, first cousins as their dads were brothers. Okay. This is not entirely uncommon given the isolation of the area, given the clannish yeah. lack of trust of outsiders, and given and, the inheritance issues. Yeah, well, inheritance issues and just the fucking size of families. Yes. Like, when you when you have nine siblings mm -hmm. on each side of that equation, maybe it doesn't feel quite so... Yeah. Yeah. Now, because so, of this, right. and because names were apparently at a shortage in this area... <laughs> <laughs> we, we just... We, we, we ran out of them. Yeah, we apparently. Just, we don't have enough names okay yeah because both, of this issue both sarah call her sally and randolph call him Randall. um yeah. both of them being first cousins they both had brothers named asa Harmon mccoy bullshit nope dead fucking serious now Randall's brother was the one that was killed by the logan wildcats sarah's okay. brother was the one that was not however half of the records that i found blended the two because why the fuck would you assume that there would be multiple people named Asa Harmon named McCoy? Asa, Asa Harmon McCoy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Rosanna <sighs> was the daughter of Randall and Sally McCoy. She was the ninth out of 16 kids. And as far as I could tell, all the kids lived to adulthood. Now, some of them didn't live much into adulthood due to the feud. 16? 16. No twins either. 16? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, in 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 our era, mm -hmm. our era of if somebody of, has three. I'm like, what's the matter with you? What? Like, <laughs> pull well, out. I, I don't think I, <laughs> I don't necessarily think what's what's the matter with you, but but I, I look I look at the woman in question. I'm like, how how did you keep doing that? Like, I have a friend who has four kids, going, and going... I am stunned that they did that on purpose. And I try really hard not to sound like an asshole about it, but I'm like, like yeah. you willingly went into, you know, because she's still married to to her husband too. So I'm like, you yeah. both willingly went into what went I into fell this. into. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're you're outnumbered <laughs> by double. What? Yeah. What, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Um. No. What? What? what always gets me is when when my wife got pregnant it was miserable like she was she was in physical pain right uh because of because of you know hormone changes and and what that did to her joints and sure. like all, like pregnancy now, beat her the hell up i don't want to tell too many tales out of school but yeah my ex-wife pregnant with my son uh similar to what you're talking about like oh my god second child the body was used to and ready for it okay so it could just be like you know it, it's well that, you know, yeah that... where where i was going to go with that mm -hmm. is that by contrast my sister-in-law 
uh, they have they have three, and mm-hmm. for a while we were wondering whether they were going to go for a fourth. And she like she she glowed. She got the glow. Mm-hmm. She she like because of the way her body responded to everything and the way her sure. hormones balanced out, she was like happy as a clam at high tide. Right. And and there was no there was no like, oh, God, do I want to go through that again? It wasn't an issue. So, like, I have to look at, you know, Mrs. McCoy here and be like, you must have had. It's like, not like they had magic. contraception back then. Either. Well, that's that's that is, of course, also an issue. And yeah. and the other the other thing that really surprises me, though, is that she managed to survive through 16 of them in that day and age. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because that was that was the reason why women had a lower life expectancy than men. Because they died during the last one. Yeah. <laughs> like, that you was know, normal. Like, yeah, Snow so, White probably had a younger sister that died with mom, you know? Yeah. That like, was... Now, that's shit. and that's a thing that I found to be true about all the families in this area. Most of them had most of their kids survived. There may have been one or two children that died um, before they reached the age of maturity. But very few. Now it could what the also hell be wasn't in the water, right? Well, and it could also be <laughs> that you just didn't report the ones that. That's also certainly that is a possibility. Yeah. But still, to have sixteen and like, if you, did you also if, not report four, like what yeah, or or more, shit? yeah, like oh my god, yeah. So, she is the what did I say ninth out of sixteen kids, and as far as I can yeah. tell, like I said, all of them live to adulthood. Rosanna and Johnsy entered into a relationship on election day of eighteen eighty which saw okay. her going to live with the Hatfields in West Virginia while all this other stuff was going on. There's all this bad blood going on. Uh, you know, you, you've got the murder of Bill State and you've got the hog farm, you've got all, or the hog trial, all this shit. And so she goes and lives with the Hatfields in West Virginia. Um, and she ends up coming back to Kentucky after John C. started seeing other women. Uh, and it's kind of an on again, off again relationship. I, you know, it's kind of, I think they had true chemistry and couldn't quit each other even though they weren't good for each other. And Johnson yeah. was very uxorious. Nice use of that term. Thank you. Now, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it showed up and then disappeared. So, okay. all right. The most comprehensive source I have for the narrative of their relationship came from Lapham's Quarterly, which is, take this all with a grain of salt because it's more of a literary magazine, but it does deal in some history. Um, but uh, I had access to family accounts a generation removed, but that website had since disappeared by the time I got to writing. Um, the the two lost track of time well into the night, apparently. Uh, and Johnsy took her home with him because it would be safer that way than to show up at McCoy's house with your daughter, right? Yeah, that would that would be a really good way to wind up very dead, very fast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Rosanna slept upstairs with his sisters, and then the next morning, young love bloomed, and they declared their love for one another, including the desire to marry. And this led to Randall uh, McCoy disowning his daughter, and Devil Ants refusing to allow the marriage because he said, I don't want to defy another man, even if that other man has disowned his daughter. I'm not about to defy another man in this area regarding his own daughter. Okay. There's... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something there. There, there's a sense of propriety there, which is interesting yeah. considering Devil Ants Hatfield did not give a fuck about propriety when it came to land. 
it, well, one is a business thing and the other one is personal. So like yeah. I can understand yeah. somebody somebody having a very a very uh well pronounced I don't want to say strong, but a, but a, a definite mm-hmm. uh, personal code of ethics. Right. That would make a distinction between those two spheres. Like business is like war and whatever has to happen there has to happen there. But right. like this is a matter of honor because we're right. talking about an honor culture here. And I'm I'm not gonna I don't wanna I, I don't want the trouble that would be associated with that. And that seems to be you know. what his his motivation is. Now his wife, uh Levisi, uh Levisa? Levisi, um she yeah. also refused because she didn't trust that their marriage would last because she knew her son. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she thought ahead to actually what a child born of both of these kids who were actually adults uh, would face being rejected by both clans. Yeah. How old uh, were they? Uh, I believe, let's see, Rosanna died at 30 and John C. was 28 when she died. And she okay. only died a couple years after that so i think he was 26 she was 28 when they met really they were that old yeah yeah there's a lot of things she managed to make it that long without getting married off in this time and place like of people (laughs) okay all right i can see that yeah Yeah. i mean well i of acceptable people because you know you're starting to feud with others and yeah right there is that yeah um my (laughs) my perception and this is mm-hmm. of course shaped by all of everything you're going to be talking about about mm-hmm. you know media media portrayals my perception of this had been that they were you know 17 and 19 right or something like that and that but she was holy, the younger of the two yeah but holy shit okay yeah. all right yeah, yeah. okay so levice was lots. like yeah okay. if you have a child and neither clan wants you y'all are going to starve and given that vicey didn't trust john c to stay the course that meant that Rosanna would be alienated from her family with a child to feed and no male to bring in income. So, yeah. Vicey didn't turn Rosanna out, and she and Johnsy seemed to enjoy the winter together for a while. So she didn't kick her out. They they kept her there, but no, we're All not right. going to let you marry. All right. However, three of Rosanna's brothers, Tolbert, Famer, and Calvin, best as I could figure, found the two of them together, and then they arrested John C. on an outstanding bootlegging warrant. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, go to the Indy 500 and hand out tickets while you're at it. Yeah. Um, they were trying to take him to Pikeville, Kentucky to be charged. However, Rosanna rode to the Hatfields' home and warned Devil Ants uh, about what was going to happen. The result was that the Hatfields surrounded the McCoy brothers and they rescued Johnsey before he could be taken to Pikeville for that uh, warrant. Okay. Johnsey and Rosanna continued to live with the Hatfields and Rosanna announced her pregnancy to them, but the Hatfields again forbade the marriage, certain that their permission would then provoke the the McCoys. Yeah. So the result I, was that, yeah. Uh, it, like... She's pregnant now, so at this point, provoking the like we don't want to do that because that it provoked the McCoys. That horse is already like like the barn door has been left open. That horse is already galloping at oh, yeah. top speed. Yeah, that horse has sailed. Like I <laughs> to mix a metaphor brilliantly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I picture the train the is already out of the barn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> picture the horse in a little dinghy. You know, right. Oh. <laughs> I've got him like hoisting the mizzen mast. You know, yeah, with his like, yeah, he's, he's like he's yeah. He's you know. way gone. Yeah. 
way gone. Yeah. His friend Hans is just keeping time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's a clever one, Hans. A little a little late for that, man. Yeah. Like, okay. So, yeah, uh, pregnant Rosanna goes to live with her aunt Betty in Stringtown, Kentucky, which is even further west and north into Kentucky. Now, this was a common thing back then. It was a common thing up through the 50s. A pregnant girl would go live with an aunt somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, and so she had the baby out of wedlock there in 1881. Now, while on again, off again, it's unclear what the relationship was. And I've seen competing claims all around. But what is for sure was that John C. and Nancy McCoy, Rosanna's, uh, Rosanna's cousin and the daughter of Asa Harmon McCoy, the one who had been murdered. Oh, oh, oh my God. Really? John C. gets married to her in May of 1881. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so not only can <laughs> can John C not keep it in his pants, right? He seems to have a fetish for going after women that are literally going to get him and other members of his family killed. Yes, like that. That is that is that is a thing for him. Yeah, and now he's twenty eight, twenty nine in eighteen eighty one. Kind of depends right. on, on okay. you know which yeah. record you believe. Nancy was just 16. Oh, shit. As if this couldn't get any uglier or worse. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. So so he's almost 30. Yeah. And and his his wife, mm -hmm. when he actually like puts puts a ring on, uh-huh, is is a teenager. Yeah. Now that that age distance oh. wasn't too uncommon at that time or for a while thereafter. Yeah. My grandpa was 23 and my grandma was 15 and I'm pretty sure they married when she was 16. Um, they'd go on to have three children and uh, no, well, my grandma and grandpa went on to have three children. So did Nancy and Johnsy uh, through 1886. Now, just real quick, Nancy's 16 in 1881, which means that she was born in 1864. Right. Her father was killed in 1863. Which means her father impregnated his her mother and then died. Yes. Yeah. We we I'm pretty assume. sure that that's what happened. Like there's okay. there's there I couldn't find any evidence of of Martha taking up with anyone else. Okay. All right. At least right, not right around that time. So so her 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 mother was pregnant with her when her father died. Yes. Okay. Which, now, when her father yeah. was murdered yes. by the family of the man she went on to marry. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, whether Nancy first agreed to be a go-between for John C. and Rosanna, and then he found comfort in her arms, or whether she sought him out in a plot, uh, in a sinister revenge plot over the long haul, or something in between, I have no idea. Um, it certainly is the popular myth uh, that she was laying such a plot but i find it dubious partly because she's 16 partly because while bad feelings do tend to run deep and long with these two families there's very little well thought out plotting that happens they're not schemers right well this Lance, i would say was a schemer well, okay yeah but he's the only one yeah and i would say perry like... klein was good at par well living up to his name parrying some of those schemes yeah but but there's not. no evidence that Nancy is this Machiavellian, I'm honey trapping, yeah, um, or that or that vengeance uh, monster, uh, the the patriarch of the of the McCoys, oh, Rannell. Uh, Rannell. 
no he absolutely was way not like yeah okay yeah and also when things get brutal it's usually a very quick escalation or an attack of opportunity it's not some slow burning plot it's oh i ran into him and i stabbed him or you know we chased him yeah this isn't lady Macbeth. right i mean think about when when famer calvin and tolbert found jauncey they weren't hunting for him they ran across him and they were like oh shit there's a warrant out for him let's get him yeah it's like that right the tax of opportunity yeah yeah Secondly, because if you claim that a 16-year-old girl whose father died before she was ex-utero would not only be able to swear revenge Hannibal-style at such a young age, but also be able to play a long game starting by marrying her cousin's baby daddy paramour, that's pretty fucking ludicrous to the point of misogyny. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. regardless, Nancy and Johnsy are married in uh, May of 1881. There is a marriage license for that. His baby with Rosanna was born in February of uh, 1881. So his baby was born and then February, March, April, May. Three months later, he marries Nancy. Now, I have no idea how much access he had to Stringville, Kentucky at that point. Um, She's living further west than most of the McCoys, and he'd have to ride through that territory, which is not impossible, but certainly more difficult um, for him. And he would need to be able to parlay with his on again, off again, uh, whom he didn't marry and who was living with her older aunt, whose opinions on the matter may have differed from Rosanna's and Johnsy's. Yeah. And where else would Rosanna go if she was turned out here? So even if she did want to see Johnsy and her aunt disagreed, it's not like she had the power to say, let him in. Yeah. Um, and it's not like Johnsy's family wanted her back. And Johnsy himself seems to have been a bit of uh, the burr under the saddle for his own parents. So could it be that he just gave up and struck up an easy and accessible relationship with a young and impressionable Nancy McCoy? That's a reasonable set of assumptions. Mm -hmm. Now, by May of uh, 1882, so a year after he's married to her cousin, his daughter, Sarah Sally McCoy, will die of the measles. Okay. Now, this is not where the feud ends, but I do want to take a few minutes to discuss why this particular part of the story, this ill-fated star-crossed lover's tale, sees the imagination of people enough to be a popular movie in November of 1923. Okay. In March of 1923, Oklahoma signed a bill outlawing the teaching of evolution, and this was the first law of its type. And as you recall, the 1920s were a time when science took hit after hit, largely due to its abuse and misuse by eugenicists. Yes. In April of eight, of 1923, Warner Brothers incorporated as one of the first big studios in Hollywood. In May, okay. the KKK kept pushing its limits, this time defying a law that required its members uh, to its membership roles to be published. Okay. Now that's kind of a clannish thing to do, right? It's yeah. pretty secretive. And given the popularity of the KKK during this time of eugenics, as well as the progressive movement, it's entirely conceivable that there was an undercurrent of tacit support of secretive behavior, again, kind of wetting the wick of us versus them thinking, right? In okay. In August of 1923, Warren G. Harding an eminently corrupt president who could fuck like crazy. Um, he, Warren G. Harding fucked. Um, he was like, he had like secret areas to fuck in. Like there was a grandfather. Yeah. You, you remember like in the, the TV show Webster where he could like go into the grandfather clock and it was a secret passage. Yeah. 
Harding had one of those in in a house that he lived in for fucking. Um, okay. So anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Warren G. Harding, uh, he died in office. Now, this sort of puts forth the idea that every generation or so, America is going to lose a president because he yeah. died in 23. McKinley dies in 01. Uh, Garfield in 1881. Uh, Lincoln in 1865. Somebody tried to kill Andrew Jackson in 1830-something. Um, so this is kind of a thing. Now, it's not wholly destabilizing, but it is troublesome nonetheless. Um, in October of 1923, Disney becomes a thing. Uh, a few years prior, we saw the Palmer raids. And two years prior uh, to this, in August through September, America saw the Battle of Blair Mountain. Yeah, Okay. Now, I think I'm going to stop us there because that's a really good place to pick up on the next episode is the Battle okay. of the Mountain. Yeah. So I will. I promise in the next episode, I'll get back to the Buster Keaton movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so there you go so far. Uh, Holy shit. What you thinking? Um, just the... <laughs> the... The extent to which lots of people in this country have held on to ideas, mentalities, paradigms, however you want to say it, that they brought with them from the old world for literal generations. You know, because so much of this stuff is... Um, uh, you know, very clearly carried over from you know the Scots Irish and and culturally, what I would all agree. Of their, yeah. All of their stuff was was yeah. you know uh, how all of that worked, and it's I mean it's the same it's the same mentality it's the same it's the same culture it's mm -hmm. the same brand of machismo, um, yeah, and and just the I wonder how much of it is that that they came over here and found themselves in very similar conditions that led to those things being perpetuated culturally you yeah I mean? I mean because the people who moved in in this area were one and two generations away from the immigrants who came over here okay yeah. so your mccoys your hatfields your kleins your Mounts's, all of them were a couple generations removed. It wasn't just they came over from York and set up camp in Kentucky. That's not how it yeah, no. it they came no. over East Coast and ended up in like western Pennsylvania. That's the furthest west most of them ended up. And then another yeah. generation later they moved further west. Yeah. So yeah, I you know, it, it it's not just a they recreated what they were going through. It's that you know, yeah, they ended up finding themselves in it again. Yeah, now, some of that might be due to the family values that were passed down at the dinner yeah. table, but but yeah. So, and then yeah, just on a on a individual uh, individual historical figure uh, uh, level, the the eldest son of of the of the Hatfields, just like you really have a type, don't you, yeah. dude? Like, yeah. and that and that type is dangerous for you right like, <laughs> i mean i yeah. understand your choices might be kind of limited and okay maybe maybe the mccoy girls are just hot but 
really? Mm-hmm. Like, wow, talk about an inductive learner. Uh, <laughs> and and we know this isn't going to end well anyway. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. All right. That's kind of my takeaway. It's just holy, holy crap, dude. Cool. Well, uh, anything that you want to recommend to people? Um, not at the moment. I okay. I don't I don't have a whole lot going on uh to be recommending. Um I will say that if you are listening to us, you've you've found us uh somewhere already, uh whether that's on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. Uh, or on our website, which is wubbawubbawubba.geekhistorytime.com. Wherever you have found us, uh, please take the time to uh, subscribe. Give us the five-star review that you know Damien has earned with his with his uh, sometimes quite painful research. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I don't have any place I particularly want to be found right now. Uh, what about you? Well, I think I'm going to recommend a book, but other than that, oh right, sorry, sorry, yep, okay, that's all right. We've only been doing this for 240 episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. all right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to recommend uh, the uh, the devil is here in these hills, West Virginia's coal miners and their battle for freedom, because that'll be good reading nice. for next week uh, when we really get into it. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I don't need to be found right now. My show's on hiatus. Um, I'm going to start tracking when these shows will release because then I could be like, oh, go see our show now at this new venue. But yeah, it's going to be a bit before that. So All right. yeah, just go back and check out some of our older episodes. Honestly, here's a fun one. Go back to episode 46 where we actually talk about COVID for the first time. Hey, see what we got right. See what we got there's... wrong. Yeah, one of those lists will be a lot longer than the other one. You know, I listened to it recently. I, I'm yeah. proud of our ability to use history to guide us, actually. Okay. I wish the well, rest of the country go. would have, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about we as a society, but no, okay. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, I no, no us. Me, okay. So. All right. All right. But, yeah. Cool. Anyway, well, yeah. for A Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s. <laughs>